Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. It's great to be with you again this week. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. We are in the midst of a new sermon series here at Urban Village. It's our second week of this sermon series we're calling Naked and talking about vulnerability and our relationships with God and particularly our prayer lives. And so looking forward to sharing more thoughts about this with you today. Our text this morning comes from the book of Exodus, and this is the story of Moses and the burning bush, which you may be familiar with. So this is Exodus 3, verses 1 through 6. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. This is the reading for today. May God's blessing be on it and our living it out. So when I preach this on Sunday morning, on the Sunday morning that I present this sermon, I'm going to be showing a clip, a video clip, and I'm going to be, I'll put this on the Podbean page. The clip is from The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and it ran a couple of years ago. There is a pitcher for the New York Mets, a baseball pitcher, and he's his name is Matt Harvey, one of the best pitchers in the major leagues. A couple of years ago, he was doing very well, and there was a chance that he was going to start the All-Star game, but because he was still fairly new, not many people probably could have recognized him, though they knew the name. They didn't know if they would be able to meet him or recognize him on the street. So Jimmy Fallon did this uh, experiment where he had Matt Harvey go out on the street and interview people to see what they thought of Matt Harvey and to see if anyone would recognize him. And some of the responses are pretty funny. Some people would say that Matt Harvey is my favorite pitcher, and Matt Harvey would ask them why he is their favorite pitcher, and he would go on and on, and they wouldn't have a clue that Matt Harvey actually was interviewing him. So it was a funny bit, and actually, when they when you talk about whether Matt Harvey had the perfect cover, he did. He was Matt Harvey hiding as Matt Harvey. So as I mentioned earlier, we are starting this new sermon series called Naked about vulnerability and God. Today we are talking about what it means to hide from God, and I think what better person to focus on when it comes to hiding than Moses. So I'm not going to assume that you all know the story of Moses, you may know bits and pieces of it, but from his beginnings, he was born to a Hebrew family, Israelite family, but a decree from Pharaoh at the time, the Egyptian ruler said that all Hebrew males must be killed. And so Moses' mother put him in a basket, sent him down the river, and he was found by Pharaoh's daughter, and he was raised as an Egyptian. He grew up, and as a young man, he started to identify with his birth heritage. The text doesn't tell us exactly how he knows this, but there's something within him that tells him that he is an Israelite. And so, in fact, he views or he observes an Egyptian who is beating a Hebrew, and he kills this Egyptian. 
And so because of this, he has to flee and he lands in an area, a, a land called Midian, and he begins to raise a family. This may be the, the first example, of course, of Moses hiding. And it's also maybe a moment for us to think about, uh, could it be the first witness protection program? <laughs> and so he, he's there now. He's killed this Egyptian. He has run away from it. It seemed like he's in the clear And that brings us to today's text. And so let's take a moment just to acknowledge that God has chosen this person to be a prophet and lead his people, this man, a murderer. And yet God chooses Moses to be the one. So we might think, well, why did God choose Moses? We can see a couple of signs of potential, perhaps, in the text that we read today. One, curiosity, and second, a willingness to obey So we see in verse 3, Moses sees this bush that is aflame, and yet it is not burning up. And verse 3 tells us that Moses says, I must turn aside and look at this great sight. So here we have curiosity, someone who wants to know more. I was reading an article this week about a survey that was done in 2015 of more than 1,000 CEOs. And one of the top answers when they were asking about what are traits that you look for in leaders Curiosity and open-mindedness were two of the top ones. Michael Dell, who's the chief executive of Dell, said, I would place my bet on curiosity. So here we have one who's curious, who wants to look closer and see what this is all about. So perhaps this is one of the traits that God sees as one who would be a great leader. And also there's a willingness to obey. Verse 4 says that God calls out twice to Moses and at first... Moses doesn't hide. In fact, he presents himself. He says, I'm here. So we have a man who is curious, a man who is willing to obey and follow, both of which are excellent traits for one who's going to be a leader. So it's looking pretty good for God's choice. And yet we get to verses 7 through 10. And I didn't read that today, but in verses 7 through 10, God says that he has observed the misery of his people in Egypt, the Israelites in Egypt. And he says, and God says that there's a task from Moses. And God says this, so come, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So here we have the second instance of Moses starting to hide again. The first instance, again, of course, was when he killed the Egyptian and goes on the lamb and so has to hide from any kind of authorities at that time who may have been looking for him. And so here we have the beginnings of one who is going to hide one more time. I was reading an article this week and watched actually a very brief documentary, like a 10-minute documentary, about a man named Barry Bremen. He has been known or was known in his heyday or between the year 1979 and 1986 as the great imposter. By all accounts, Barry was one who loved life, loved to play practical jokes, And he came up with perhaps, at first, his biggest practical joke ever. One night, he was at an NBA game in Detroit, and he noticed that he could get access. Somehow, he could go up and take NBA warm-ups if he wanted to. And so he decided to come up with this big plan. So one night, he went and he watched the Kansas City Kings playing against the Detroit Pistons. And he somehow got and stole one of the warm-ups of the Kansas City Kings players. Not long after that, one of the big practical jokes was he put on the warm-ups and made his way onto the floor and started warming up with all the NBA All-Stars. And all the people who were watching him were just amazed that he had pulled this off. 
And eventually he got caught and was escorted off the floor. But this was the beginning of the great imposter. And so he did everything from dressing up in a Yankee uniform and getting on the field. He was an umpire, a referee. He once went to the Emmys and stood up to accept an Emmy Award for somebody else. Perhaps his biggest uh, disguise was as a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. So he did all these things and kept pulling it off for about seven or eight years or so. People now, I don't think you could probably get away with that. The times have changed, certainly, and security is much tighter than it was then. But it was interesting reading about this and trying to get into the mind of Barry Bremen to see for himself, what disguise am I going to wear in order to get access to what I need? Sometimes perhaps we have that same feeling of what disguise are we going to wear if we want to hide, either from ourselves or from God. Moses had the disguise, essentially, perhaps, of asking lots of questions of God. So, after the text that we read today, and when God makes clear to Moses what he wants Moses to do, Moses starts a litany of different responses, and some of them are here. So, verse 11, Moses says, Who am I to go to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Verse 13, if I now come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they are going to ask me, what's this God's name? What am I supposed to say to them? Chapter 4, verse 1, and what if they don't believe me or pay attention to me? They might say to me, the Lord didn't appear to you. Chapter 4, verse 10, my Lord, I've never been able to speak well, not yesterday, not the day before, and certainly now, not, not now, since you've been talking to your servant, I have a slow mouth and a thick tongue. And then finally, chapter 4, verse 13, please, my Lord, just send someone else. So there is absolutely nothing wrong with asking questions, nothing wrong with doubting at all and trying to get at the heart of what God wants for you. But perhaps Moses was getting to a point where he was hiding, in a sense, this was one of his disguises, and that was to just ask a lot of questions and to express doubt numerous times. And so God finally said, you're hiding behind these questions. You're hiding behind these doubts. God patiently responds each time, but God also keeps insisting over and over again that Moses, you are the one to lead. And so finally, Moses has enough and decides to accept this, obey as he had shown his proclivity to obey in verse 4. So when we talk about vulnerability in God, and we mentioned last week how hard that can be sometimes because we feel like we don't want to be totally ourselves before God, perhaps of things that we are ashamed of, uh, perhaps we are intimidated by thinking about, why well, I don't know how to approach God or what to say to God. So it's hard for us to do so. And when we get to that point, the easy thing for us is to hide from God. And there are lots of different ways that we can hide. We can literally not talk, not converse, not be in God's presence. That's one way certainly to hide. Or maybe we hide because we are talking in a relationship with God, but we're not being truly who we are in front of God. We are an imposter of sorts. And so we are hiding and not being truly the person that God has created us to be. Or maybe when we think about hiding, we think about other kinds of ways that we are hiding. Either maybe you're hiding from yourself Or maybe you're hiding from something or someone. Are you hiding because you're afraid of being the real you, the real you that God created? And so there are lots of ways for us to do this, to avoid 
to um, ask lots of questions and express lots of doubt. And again, let me emphasize there's nothing wrong with doing those things. But if we, if that's all we do, if we never get to a point of faithfulness where we say, here I am, perhaps those questions can be a place of hiding from us or from God as well. Or maybe if we think if I just delay long enough, all of this will go away. All of my doubts and anxieties, if I don't face up to it, maybe it will just pass. I experienced something like this um, about a year ago. I did a wedding, officiated a wedding for a couple at my church, uh, Evan and Tara. And it was a glorious day, uh, just a really wonderful ceremony and wedding to be a part of. An important thing to note about this particular wedding is that uh, Evan and Tara are African-American. The reason I bring this up is because the vast majority of people in attendance there, their family and friends, were black. So I was one of a handful of people who were white. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I noticed something in the, re- in the rehearsal dinner and in the ceremony itself, and then especially at the reception afterward. And I just felt myself being self-conscious a little bit about being a minority in that space. And it gave me a very, very, very small inkling, perhaps, of what it is like for others who may be people of, who are people of color who may be in a situation where they are in the minority. And I've talked with individuals who say sometimes that they have to change a little bit who they are in order to fit in with the dominant culture. They're not being true to who themselves because it's for their own survival. They have to change. They have to shapeshift is a phrase that I've heard in order to be in a context where they are in the minority. And when I was in this setting, especially at the rehearsal dinner, everybody made me feel welcome. No one made me feel like I shouldn't belong or I didn't belong, but I just had a sense in that space that people were truly being themselves and I wasn't able to truly be myself. I felt a little awkward. And so I sat there and exchanged pleasantries and had good conversation with folks at dinner. And then later on, there was the dance when people were getting up and dancing and I like to dance myself. I don't know if I'm necessarily a good dancer, but I like to dance, especially at weddings. And I always especially like to dance when I'm the one who officiated the wedding, because I sometimes there's always the look on people's faces of, I didn't know that the pastors could dance or get out on the dance floor. So, but in this context, and the music was playing and everybody was such, there are such good dancers on the floor and my own awkwardness. And I thought, I am not going to go out on that dance floor. I'm just going to watch and observe and take it all in and just kind of hide over here in the corner and eat my cake and uh, just enjoy myself and being an observer. But that didn't last too terribly long because at one point, Evan's mom came over to me. And Evan's mom has this really wonderfully big personality. And I had gotten to know her a little bit. And she came over and started to insist that I get on the dance floor. And I was like... Mrs. Sharp, I really don't want to go out on the dance floor. I would be embarrassed. I don't feel like I really quite fit in here. Uh, But she insisted, insisted, and so finally dragged me out onto the dance floor. And now there's a very, there's a video out on the internet somewhere of me dancing with Evan's mom and everyone around cheering for me as I'm out there feeling kind of awkward, but also feeling grateful for this really wonderful invitation that Evan's mom gave to me. 
And I was, as I, the more I danced, I don't think I could finally say I was being totally, totally vulnerable, totally naked in front of everyone else. But I was getting to the place where I wasn't hiding. I wasn't sitting in a corner, just kind of observing. But I was actually getting out there and getting engaged. I wasn't hiding anymore. And it took the welcome of Evan's mom and Evan's mom insisting for me to get out on the dance floor. And I thought about this week because in some ways I think Evan's mom is like God in that and in the story with Moses and I think in our own lives as well, that God was continually insisting to Moses that you are the one. I see in you curiosity. I see in you a willingness to obey. And so I think you are the one in order to lead my people out of slavery in Egypt. And Moses did as I did, put up lots of protests hiding behind those protests. And again, these are all natural responses, but God insisted. And I think the same happens with God in our own lives, that there are lots of different ways that we can hide from others, that we can hide from ourselves, that we can hide from God. We might even put on the facade of, yeah, I pray and I attend church or I try to live out my faith in certain ways, but we are not if we're honest with ourselves, we're not truly being ourselves. We're not truly being naked with God and, and with the world. We're not truly being who we are. Now, I know that sometimes some people have to, in order for them to succeed in this world, they have to change themselves a little bit. But is there a way that you can be you, that you can be the one that God created you to be, to show some of your nakedness, to be the one who doesn't hide anymore. See, they can live into who the person that God created you to be. To, if you're being called to perhaps to be a leader in some, in some way or being called to live out your faith in a, in a riskier way, whatever it is, I think the call for us is to pay attention. Oh, that it would happen through a burning bush. That it would be so obvious but I think it's important for us, if we don't always have the burning bush in front of us, to, to be curious, as Moses did. When Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight, that we might look for the ways, intentionally look for the ways that God is speaking to us, calling to us, encouraging us not to hide anymore, and for us to take those first few steps. And it's totally okay. Notice that God didn't get angry with Moses when he asked the first question or expressed his initial doubts. Moses asked that first question, second question, expressed out, third, fourth, and finally it was the fifth time until finally Moses said, okay, I'm in. Here I am. So it's okay to do those things, but eventually I think it's also important for us to not hide anymore, to listen for the ways that God speaks to us, to look for the ways that God is working in our midst, and then to have the courage, the God-given courage, to be able to step out and be in hiding no more. May that happen for you in your own life. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. As always, I greatly appreciate your support in reaching out to me. You can email me, chris at urbanvillagechurch.org, or on Twitter, I'm at Christian Kuhn. I'm always happy to engage and respond to questions or responses that some of you may have. And so I'll be back next week one more time. And until then, I hope you have a blessed week. Waking or sleeping.